Hello, folks. It is the Knickknack Podcast. I'm Knickknack. I'm a queer and autistic non-binary woman with a variety of deep interests. This podcast is kind of an audio blog where I share my views and life in pursuit of greater engagement, connection, and emotional relief. This is Season 15, Episode 49, called It's a Lot. There is a ton to talk about after the last two episodes. Uh, great episode with Moss Wild Wing that was just published recently, and then, of course, the episode before that, Actually Autistic Love, with my new partner, Vinny, which was so fun to record and produce. So please go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't had the chance to do so. Today I'll kind of be talking about what it's like to be in love and be autistic at the same time. It's kind of a challenge, so I wanted to talk about that. So if you like my work, please visit knickknackpod.net and donate either via PayPal or check out the new Patreon. Now, before ado is in any way furthered, grab a beverage and a breath, and let's get started. So let's start out by talking about autism and romance. There was a post, a joke on Twitter recently, talking about Aughty mating or otter mating, uh, depending on how you want to cutely refer to yourself as an autistic person, if you are an autistic person. And lots of people on the spectrum like puns and cutesy humor, and I, I definitely liked liked it. Uh, calling it Aughty mating. So, in Aughty mating with uh, my partner recently, we are facing a ton of challenges. A ton of challenges. A lot of them are just related to us both being on the spectrum and the fact that we have to find different ways to cope with the challenges of this world that's designed for neurotypicals. And in, o- in order to do that, we have to kind of navigate the social support systems in order to get by. Unless, fingers crossed, this podcast really takes off, which is really what I'm hoping for, because I am so sick, so, so sick of working my ass off to the bone and not getting anywhere within this fucking neurotypical system. I want to, I really do want to be able, even though I, I I mean, I am, I identify as a non-binary woman. I I don't 
feel as pressured as when I did in, in prior phases of how I identified myself gender-wise to provide or to do any of that. But I would like to be able to just art and have my partner just art and do our thing and have that pay our bills and have it so that we don't have to go, okay, if we want to live together eventually, we have to figure out, okay, my SSI is going to go down in Washington State. So that's going to impact us. Okay, we have to look at other factors in order to see if we can actually live together. And that, that breaks my heart because it's just like, it's so simple because I love Benny. It's just that simple and I want to be with Benny. Except it's not that simple because we have the dualistic nature of being autistic and being okay with who we are internally as people when we're hanging out, when we're talking, when we're doing our thing. But also in the outside world, the outside world doesn't, doesn't see us the same way. And so we have to be very aware and very cognizant of how the outside world perceives us. And in order to survive, I've talked about this before, I have to play up my weaknesses play out the, not the spikes, not the, the high points in my skill set, not the, the parts of my brain that work really well, but the parts of my brain that work really crappily, the parts of my brain that don't work, the holes in my brain. That's really frustrating because I just want to be with my person. I just want to get an apartment where we have enough space in Seattle, in ideally... I would I would like to live in my partner's neighborhood for for a little while, but then ideally, you know, maybe Finney Ridge or something like that. Um, there used to be a really wonderful apartment complex over a really wonderful coffee shop on 85th, roughly 85th and Greenwood in Finney Ridge that I really liked a lot, and I dream of that of that building. I miss my basement apartment, of course, but I dream of having, you know, like a I don't know. I, ideally, a two-bedroom uh, apartment in, in in you know over a coffee shop in Finney Ridge, so that we can we can have kind of our front room to do communal stuff, and then when we need to take care of our artistic needs and take care of ourselves and be alone or work on projects or something like that, we each have our own area that we can retire to. In addition to having a place, you know, shared, shared place to sleep, shared place to rest and be with each other. Um, that's kind of my dream that I'm hoping for. So I, I'm really hoping that this podcast ca- takes off because I'm so sick of having to think to myself, okay, I have to budget really, really well and really, really carefully in order to see my partner in November. And that's gonna happen, gosh darn it. Uh, I'm going to take the co-star light and I'm going to go up and see my partner and it's going to be awesome. But also I need to think, okay, I have to budget for that. Then I have to budget for the holidays and all that's involved with that. Then I have my Section 8 inspection. Then I probably have a disability review, a continuing disability review to worry about. And then when my lease finally um, runs out, then then we can talk about doing other things and living together and all those nice, wonderful things that you dream about. 
and and as nice as those dreams are, we we really are climbing an Everest here. We're climbing a mountain of we're both incredibly wonderful, beautiful, divergent autistic people, and being a divergent autistic person living on your own, well, that's hard enough. Um, that's challenging enough because for me, it's all day long, pin the tail on the knees, try and figure out what what I'm needing right now. Why am I grumpy? Well, I have to kind of trial and error it, figure it out. And then, and then eventually I figure it out and I'm not grumpy anymore. And it can be a challenge when your partner is autistic because they're having a similar experience to what you're having and in a shared living experience, a, a, a space that can be a big challenge. But I do believe, I do firmly believe that if my partner and I both keep arting, especially if I keep arting, if I keep doing what I'm doing, because gosh, I, I know it sounds biased and arrogant and whatever, but uh, gosh, when I listen to the past two episodes, they're fun to listen to. They're authentic. My personality in being an autistic, non-binary woman, I'm, I'm being as authentic as I can with you folks as, as an audience, and I'm trying to connect with you, and I'm trying to share with you everything that I can safely share. And then also, when we were talking to Vinny, they were being so authentically, actually autistic and awesome, and... We were just doing our thing, and I really hope you—I really hope you saw the love there because we have so much love for each other, and we both know, we both know that it's going to be a struggle. And you know, like I said, this world isn't designed for a divergent person. This world is designed to make you feel like if you can't punch the clock and do nine to five, then you're not worthwhile, then you're not worthy, and. God damn it, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And we are the many. We are the many people that society forgets. And it doesn't matter what paradigm is applied. Like, even in socialism, the proletariat, the working class, tends to forget about those who, in a traditional model of society, are disabled. And... Those who are in a traditional model of society are disabled. We get such small scraps. And we have to play into the game. We have to say, yes, I'm disabled. When internally, for me, it's like, okay, there are a lot of things I can't do well. A lot of them. There are a lot of holes in my brain. But there are many, many more, many more strengths to who I am and how I conduct myself. And I'm so glad my partner sees that. I'm so glad. And I'm so glad that we can be authentic with each other. I just wish that the road ahead weren't so long and winding. And it's, it's, I look up at the mountain and I say, okay, I'm going to climb this mountain. It's no longer eastbound with a mask sort of mentality. It's, I'm going to climb this mountain. It's going to be really tough. It's going to be really difficult, but I'm going to climb this mountain. I also want to call back to something Moss said in the previous episode. You know, whatever kind of divergence you have, whether it's autism or bipolar or borderline personality disorder or multiple personality disorder or whatever, whatever, whatever sort of mental variation you might have if you have one or if you're part of the queer community or whatever it might be, 
That's not a failing on you. That is an awesomeness on you. That is something that is great about you. That makes you an awesome, unique person. That makes you not a shitty, neurotypical asshole. And that's awesome. And if you're not a shitty, neurotypical asshole, you deserve even more love than that sh shitty, neurotypical asshole with the white picket fence and the six kids and the two SUVs and their long 20-minute commute and their shitty Palo Alto tech jobs at Facebook or some shit. Like, being actually autistic or being otherwise divergent, you know, living in the city or, or struggling to get by in the isolated suburbs, whatever the case might be, if you're, if you're disabled by traditional communal standards or if you're, you're outside the norm, anything out of the mainstream, you know, love people in really is, is what I'm trying to get to here. It's because a lot of what, what Moss and I were talking about is, is kind of the rent culture, for lack of a better term. It, I mean, that was the start of it. It was this, you know, the starving artist thing, the bohemian thing. Um, I was quoting Basement of the Emerald City to my partner in that episode, and it was really, the chorus anyway, the verses get messy, but the chorus anyway was about not being able, being close to my dream, being so close to my dream life in Seattle, but feeling like I was just, just below the surface of, of the city, just below the surface of what I wanted, just, just outside that, that guarded gated door, and if you have something, if you have a dream, a strong notion as a divergent person of any stripe, and the structure of society is keeping you from having it, that's a problem. We shouldn't have a society this way. Seriously, we need a revolution, not therapy. And I, I mean, I've, I've talked about revolution before, and I've talked about how it always, almost always goes wrong. The French Revolution is a primary example because it ended up, up with Napoleon. And actually, the German Revolution, the, when the Nazis took over, like the Nazis were initially socialists. And because they combine it with nationalism, it got all fucked up and died horribly. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can be better humans. I've had a real rough year in, in the activism spaces I've been in because I've tried so hard to take my ideas and apply them. And I guess some people are just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of this philosopher living in an ivory tower and that's kind of always who I'll be because whenever I try and leave the ivory tower, whenever I try and go down and, and be with the other people outside of, outside of my partner, it doesn't seem to go well. Even with other neurodivergent folks sometimes, sometimes like, yes, we're both on the spectrum or we're both, you know, maybe I'm on the spectrum and maybe they're ADD or something, but we both have similar brains, but sometimes the brains aren't compatible. So, you know, you need a compatible brain. You need support. Everybody needs love and not just, in my humble opinion, not just emotional love. Emotional love is important. Emotional love is probably the easiest thing to give and get in a lot of ways. I mean, it's hard too, but it's, but it's, it doesn't take much to, to say to someone, hey, it looks like you're struggling and it looks like you need some support. Physical love is more complicated, but we all need that too. Like, that's a basic, 
that that's on the hierarchy of needs as well. Belongingness, it's on there. And again, Maslow and Rosenberg figured it out. All you have to do is be empathetic and listen and say, hey, what are you needing? How can I help you meet your needs? Or it sounds like you need something that I can't provide. Why don't I give you some space and uh, direct you to a place where you can meet your needs? And I'm in that difficult phase right now where, you know, I haven't, I haven't dated very much. I really haven't. And it never tends to go well. So I'm very nervous and very anxious about this. But I'm at the difficult phase where I'm in love. And also I still need to, to take care of my things and my partner still needs to take care of their things. And we're both autistic, so we need to try and make sure we don't melt down at the same time or or get stressed or, or overstimulated at the same time. So we're learning how that works. We're learning how to not just be with each other, but to continue the outside world. And it's really difficult. I know, I know from The Sims, you know, The Sims kind of modeled it very well for me. The Sims made it very clear that, you know, a rough estimate of a balanced life from a neurotypical perspective, but still, even for a divergent person, I think this is a rough estimate of, of a good balance. You have some sort of occupation, not necessarily a job that pays you money or your work or anything like that, but just something that occupies your time, something that makes you happy, something that satisfies your passion. And then you also maybe have an, some, some social connections, some belongingness, some things like that. And you have to kind of balance those things. And it's very difficult to balance those things. And you also have friendships that you need. And it's really, 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 when it comes down to it, life is about a strategy, is kind of a strategy game. Making sure you have the resources to do everything you need to do. And really, as I look at, at trying to figure out how to get the life with the my partner that I want and trying to get the life that I want also independently as an individual person. I'm trying to figure out how to get the resources I need to do what I need to do by just doing what I do naturally. And everybody has their own unique natural talent, their own unique natural skill. And we shouldn't be punished or criticized or thought down of if our own unique talents and natural skills don't jive with the flow of capitalism. Seriously, fuck capitalism. Because that doesn't nurture us. It's it's a way to, you know, every every month when I put, to, put together a budget, it's an exercise in what needs can I deprive myself of this, this, this time. And we need to be in a world of, of, okay, all my needs are met, so what 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 awesome things can I do now that all my needs are met? And in a partnership, I think I hesitate to say this, but I think I think in a partnership, the best thing you can do is figure out how to supplement and strengthen your partner. A partner isn't someone that completes you; it's someone that adds to you, someone that makes you more than just an individual. And I'm so thankful for both my partner, Vinny, and 
my friends such as Moss. I'm so, so thankful. And I'm so thankful that even though I view psychology as having taken some depressing and misguided turns, particularly when it comes to autistic research lately, being driven by a perspective of deficits and seeing us as broken and the whole broken brain thing and all that, I am still thankful for the history of psychology, for Maslow and Rosenberg, and for people that said, let's not focus on what's broken about people. Let's not stigmatize people. Let's not just say, oh, you're disabled, and we're going to lock you away and throw the key. No, fuck that. Fuck mental, mental institutions. Fuck electroshock therapy. All that 60s bullshit. Fuck applied behavioral therapy, and stop the fucking shock, because we are all humans, and we have needs, and we just need a society that embraces who we actually are as authentic humans and gives us what, what we need. And it pains me to see myself have to struggle to meet my needs, to see my partner have to struggle to meet their needs, to see my friends have to struggle to meet their needs, to see how hard it is if you're a caring, empathetic person to make it in a social services role. Like... It kills me that I had to leave that peer support job because, god damn it, I was good at it. I was really good at it. I'm good at empathy. I just can't do it every day. I have to be able to say, okay, today I, I can be empathetic and caring and wonderful. And, oh, shoot, I, my needs are empty. I need to go take care of my needs. It's, we're all Sims. It's really that simple. And thank you, Will Wright, for creating The Sims and for helping me understand humanity because I wouldn't understand as nearly as much about humanity and I wouldn't have delved into psychology as much as I, I, as I have had it not been for SimCity and The Sims and gaming. And a safe place to escape to. To go to when the world outside, that, that often hostile and cold neurotypical world, just shuts us out. I'm glad so many divergent folks have gaming to turn to. I'm glad, you know, if we have to live in these difficult times, I'm glad we at least have gaming, and I hope one day we will have the Oasis minus the evil corporate elements as described in Ready Player One and Ready Player Two. So I think I'm going to end it there. I thank you so much for listening. Hopefully um, you can support us, and I uh, just want to close with a couple of reminders here after we listen to Anthony Rotuno's wonderful The Fool's Guide. Are the schools shitting out fools who believe what they read and believe what they see? Don't believe them and don't believe me. I'm a tool. I'm your changes of I'm a drug in your food Believe what you read and believe what you see on the TV Don't believe them and don't believe 
above my head there's a thought crime running through my head can't take these rules and people are fools but I need I thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support my work, please leave a review in the podcast apps or check out my PayPal and Patreon available on nicknackpod.net. That's N-I-C-N-A-C-P-O-D.net. Your help is greatly appreciated. The music is Raindrop Rhapsody by Josh Elkenberry, The Fool's Guide by Anthony Rattuno, and of course, Catch Me If You Can by Attica Attica. If you enjoy this music, please support these artists by buying their work or making donations. Links to all the music can be found on the show notes available at knickknackpod.net. The Knickknack Podcast and FS Ride Along series is copyright 2006 through 2021 by the Knickknack Podcast Network and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 4.0 International License. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. May you find the safety and support you need to empower you and meet your needs. Bye. Bye.